This isn't just beer. This is beer longing. Every month we're talking about beer, beer culture, our adventures and discussing the topics that are reverberating around the beer community. This is Beer Longing. I'm Steve and as always I'm joined by my co-hosts Mark and Rob. Hi guys, how are you doing? Hi Good Steve. Evening. I'm in the prime of my life. <laughs> and why is that Rob? I don't know, it's just better than the depressing stuff I'd normally say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to see you guys and I'm I'm glad that you have survived your last couple of weeks, Steve. Thank you very much. We'll, we'll come on to that in, in in a while, though. I'm sure I'm sure most yeah. of our listeners are aware by now. But um, we'll talk about that under beery adventures or or not, as the case may be for me. Lack thereof. <laughs> Lack thereof. Yeah. So let's uh, get straight in to the first part of the show. Just uh, for Mark's benefit, this is this is from the shelves, Mark. So this is the section where we we've got a beer that we've Stupid each bought <laughs> from the shelves of our local shop to send to one another. That's why it's called from the shelves. Okay, are we clear now? <laughs> I, I barely remember to send the damn beer. Never mind, remember what the segment's called. It's about as clear as this this <laughs> point of beer I'm looking at. <laughs> Well, Rob, why don't you why don't you start then? Why why don't you lead in with what you've got there? Well, this this is a a beer that was sent to me by Steve, um, following the last show where I exclaimed that this is going to be the year of bitter and best bitter, and then it turns out that the Colonel have brewed a bitter, so this is their bitter Simmons eighteen eighty recipe. It's six point five percent. So it's very much in the, the, the strong bitter category. And I'm going to dive in because I am very excited by this. I'm really looking forward to see what you think I of tell, it. I'll tell you why it smells really good. Yeah, I've got, I got myself one as well. It's, so. it's a bit even caramelly on the nose. Oh, sweet Jesus <laughs> of Nazareth. <laughs> Times like this that I wish this was a this was a visual podcast because your face there, mate. That that was that was a picture. So no good then, mate. <laughs> I, I am without words, <laughs> which is great for a, a audio media. I'm, I'm <laughs> very sorry, our listeners. This is just oh god, this is a bloody treat. This is oh. So six point five. I mean, it looks very murky. We've already discussed that off. Yeah, yeah, so it's as always, it's it's kernel, it's in a bottle, it's bottle conditioned, and yeah, it is. It is pretty. We, we were joking because I'm drinking it in a Saint Austell tribute glass that it's like end of the barrel tribute, but no, this is absolutely delicious. It's just, uh, it's I tell you what, I'm gonna have to restrain myself from just like necking this because it is just that good. It's just per- perfectly balanced, as a good bitter should be. It's got that nice bit of bitterness. It's just full-on biscuity, digestive biscuit malt going on. It's just, oh, it's bloody brilliant. Bear of the year! 
in February, bro. You know, this is going to take some beating. This. I've got myself a bottle of that as 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 well, like I always do when I send either of you a beer because I want to I want to try what you're trying as well. And and I was I was I was blown away with it as 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 well. It's just um like it really reminded me of the first time I came across the Colonel back back sort of like what sort of eight ten years ago or so and 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 the beers they were brewing back then it's it's just so good and and so tasty and i'm, I'm i was really pleased to find out earlier that um because i picked that up from two brews in colchester apparently they've got a keg of it as well that they haven't put on yet so oh god um, imagine a cask of this oh cask version of that would oh, be yeah, a keg would be lovely but yeah. oh cask I'm, I'm, I'm me. I'm an untapped person now, so I can remember beers for this, and I'm putting it in right away. <laughs> Live untapping right yeah. here yeah. as as we're recording. Good God, what have we made you? <laughs> Honestly, it's it's interesting though because on untapped it's listed as a ESB, isn't it, rather than a a straight up bitter. Right, oh, yeah. I'd call it a strong strong bitter. Yeah, it's certainly six point five percent. Six point five, I'd be inclined to call it an ESB, but they can call it whatever the hell they want. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, what, Steve, what did you get sent this month? So, Mark, you sent me, uh, which I was thrilled when I took it out of the packaging. This is a beer from Vault City, which uh, obviously straight away I'd I'd normally be worrying if I had one of their beers <laughs> in my my hand. But this yeah. is um, <laughs> this is something not what they're so much associated with. This is a barrel-aged barley wine that, that that I've got here. Now, I was just reading the... um Because there's a lot of information on the side of this bottle. Um, it's a collaboration brew with Dead End Brew Machine and Tatara Spears. It's been aged for six months in ex-whiskey, ex-sherry casks. It's got Ernest and Olicana hops, so it's got those sort of new wave of British hops in it. They've used a, a New England IPA yeast, and there's Ethiopian coffee in it as well. So it feels like they've thrown everything at this this beer, and I'm um really looking forward to trying it. It's not overly strong though for a barley wine, is it? Is it? No, it's, it's only eight percent. Eight percent. Yeah, very oh. much at the uh, the bottom end of a barley wine then. Oh, okay. Steve's uh, making some interesting faces. Oh, it's um, it's like a chocolate fruit cake. It's an so odd it's one, a, isn't it? It's really strange. I'm really trying to pick out what's going on in that. I'm gonna have to come back to that. <laughs> there's there's so much going on in it. There's there's definitely those fruit cakey notes that you get from. Uh, barley wine. You've got those soft stone fruity notes from the, the the British hops, but then there's this chocolate cherry thing going on in there as 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 well. And I'm I'm not I'm not sure that sits with everything else for me. Uh, so we're, we're gonna. I think it'll, it'll definitely evolve. I know we don't normally come back to beers, but it'll be interesting this time to do so because I think the coffee, cherry, and whiskey are working. <laughs> Uh, uh, together, kind of, yeah, gives it a very interesting flavor. Yeah, I mean, it, part of the reason uh, I know that you like barley wines, I wanted to give you something different, but it's every, every time I think I'm in a local place and maybe I'll just send Steve something like this. Like, I nearly sent you a 
Tracks latest West Coast IPA, which was a collaboration with Pellicle magazine. And as I discovered last week, it was a good job. I didn't, because you've already had it. <laughs> and I thought, and especially, you know, with online shopping and stuff these days, it's going to be hard to actually find something sort of Manchester-based that you've not had. So I thought, sod it, I'll just go the other end of the scale. He definitely would have bought a Vault City beer. So, And I just thought it was a really... <laughs> Really interesting, strange beer, which is always, always exciting. For, for sure, yeah, I, I think um, you're right there that that it's it's probably fair to say I've never ever parted money with a Vault City beer for, for a Vault City beer before <laughs> um, because they're not normally what what I want to drink. There, that their sour stuff, uh, while very very good, um, is is not the sort of style of beer that I enjoy drinking. So I, I like I say I was. I was surprised more than anything else when this came out of the package and it was a, a Vault City barley wine. But yeah, I shall uh, I'll drink this while we, we, we continue through uh this 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 little opening segment of the show. So Mark, what have what have you got this month? Uh I've been sent a beer called Three States from Backyard Brew House in Walsall, which I believe is very, very local to Rob Edwards, who has yeah, sent me the beer. Two miles away, the brewery is. It's a 5.7% West Coast IPA, so right up my street. Um, it looks the part. It smells the part. It, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it smells like it's going to be really bitter, which kind of mm. gets, gets me excited. It's just got that really piney freshness to the smell, which is obviously what i'm looking for i'd say on, on the taste it's not as bitter as i yeah would. i found Love. that as well it's a t- touch on the what i would call the peachy side of west coast ipas rather than the sharp grapefruit and things that people normally compare them to so it's not quite got that bitterness and it, it gives it a sort of tinny kind of taste it's still by the way absolutely lovely and i'm going to smash this whole can and be fine with it to me it feels much more like just a a pale ale rather than an an ipa to me as well yeah if if we were you know comparing it to the likes of oregon trail and stuff the absolute benchmarks then it's not quite there but it's still very very good i I don't know how big they are this uh, backyard brew house. The name suggests small. I'll, so. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some background on them. So they've been going at least ten years now. I'm probably a bit over that, but um, they certainly tend to get around my local area. But they're generally just quite a traditional brewery. Really good cask beers. Like I drink a lot of their. Their beer called Blonde, which is like a real p- blonde-coloured pale ale, and um, the, the fountain that I mentioned in the last show, I think that w- when that first reopened, that was kind of their tap house. But it, so, and they still stock a lot of their beers. But this can and a couple of other ones are like that one. Their second foray into doing some more modern styles. So I thought it'd be interesting to to pick these up because normally I just drink their cask beer. So it'd be interesting to see what these are like. And as I say, it's a nice beer, but I think it hasn't quite hit the mark of what it was going for. 
And I just just so I know, I know that the phrase "it smells bitter" is absolutely ridiculous. But I also know <laughs> what I mean. So yep. before some idiot picks it up and runs with it on Twitter, I don't care. I one hundred percent get what you mean, Mark. I well, I, th- I can th- smell bitterness in a beer. Yeah, yeah. You get that? It's just that. It's just that piney grassiness that you just like. Oh, this this is going to be a bitter bastard. Yeah, sometimes from. Sometimes from the aroma, you just get a real strong impression of how it's going to taste. Well, I don't know about you two. I'm going to uh, take a little bit of time over my beer. Uh, I might actually also leave leave a little bit of it in the glass and come back to it towards the end of the show, actually, to see, how it, see how it goes as it warms. While we're working our way through these first beers, let's have a look back at what we've been up to in the last month. Rob, would you like to share any of your beery adventures? Uh, yeah, well, it's like uh, in the last one, to be fair, it's been a bit of a quiet one. It's just really, I've not drank much at home, but I've tried to just get out and just go for a couple of solo points in the pub. So I've been to the fountain and uh, as we can get from uh, the section before this, I picked up some beers for uh, myself and Mark there. And um, I've had a couple of gigs, so I've had a, had a beer then. And I went to um, where they brew the beers for Black Country Isles on Saturday in um, Lower Gornal in, in Dudley. Steve, why don't you tell us all about your... Uh... <laughs> all of my beer adventures. <laughs> yeah. uh, basically, all of my beer adventures were scuppered by COVID, which, after three years of avoiding it, finally caught me uh, a, a couple of weeks ago. And, and I'm just uh, I'm just coming out of that now. And actually, the beers that we're drinking on this podcast tonight are the first beers I've had for two weeks. So uh, I am really, really enjoying them as, as well. But... <laughs> Before COVID struck, uh, Em and I did have a cheeky night out in Two Brews where we just went on a Friday night. We were going to just go for a couple and a couple turned into many and we ended up there until they closed. And she's a troublemaker like Emmy, honestly. Oh, she's, she's an absolute nightmare. She leads me astray all the time, Rob. Uh, just two standouts, really, from, from that little session that we had there. They had the Colonel Brown Owl Meridian on um their draft lines which was drinking incredibly easy again i think it was like five six five eight percent something like that a couple of pints of that went down very very easily and then the other beer that i just want to mention is from a brewery in sunderland probably going to butcher this name i'm going for vox brewery as in I don't know how it's spelled, Steve. As, so as, it's, 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 it's V-A-U-X, as in voxel. So I'm going for yeah, vox no, ra- rather than vo. Um, I don't think it's vo <laughs> from Sunderland. Um, but it's uh, Vox Brewery from Sunderland. Um, I've had a couple of their beers now, actually. Uh, Paul at Two Brews seems to be... He must have a, one of the distributors he buys from must must sell their beers. But this was um, it's an eleven percent impy stout called Stormy Petrol, and it was um, the reason why it stood out to me on the shelf was because it was a collaboration with Old Chimneys. Now, Old Chimneys, for listeners that don't know, are the the the, the brewery that makes Good King Henry every, every year and the the vintages of that. And and this this beer was incredible. Eleven um, percent impy stout. 
in a can, uh, shared it with them, but it just didn't it didn't drink 11%. It was so smooth. And, and Mark, I think you would have liked it as well because it had a real smoky edge about it um, on, on, on the finish. So um, a brewery to watch out for there, actually. Um, Vaux, Vox, Vox. I'm well, I, I, imagine it's, I imagine it's going to be Vox, and I have also heard the name before, and... <sighs> I'm I'm trying to think now whether I've seen this mentioned on social media because let's just call them Voxbury for the sake of this conversation. Um, they are an old, old brewery that somebody's obviously bought the name for again and restarted. Oh, okay. And they were Vox Ales. And to the point where one of my local towns the reason i remember it because even as a kid the bus going into the town there was a pub there and painted on the side of the brick wall on the side of this pub in massive letters was vox ales um and it's still there now even though the pub's long shut and i think it's a cafe but it still has this old um painted letter sign on the side of it so a bit like um higson's of liverpool and somebody bought Watney's didn't they and tried yeah. to re- revive it as a as a brand there's a few a few of that that the, the, there's a bit of that going around at the moment buying the rights to old brand names and restarting them and there i wasn't aware of it but I, i'm i'm sure they were a northeast brewery so sunderland obviously that, that makes sense um and i wasn't a, 100% aware of it now. I was trying to think whether I'd seen any mention of it on social media in the time, but that's where it is. Whether the actual beers that the brewing are in any way related to the old ones, obviously we don't know because we've only just realised this ourselves. We've not looked into it. Um, but there, there you go. So that's, you say it's a brewery to look out for. It, I think they're a couple of centuries old. <laughs> okay. Well, if, if you see their stuff, because I've had a couple of beers now um, from them and I've, I've enjoyed both. That is uh, that is my solo beery adventure of, of, of the month. I just wanted to, I just wanted to um, say on, on that point as well. I actually find those things really interesting if they are brewing any of the old recipes, because I know when Higson's of Liverpool, which is a brewery that my dad grew up with and absolutely loved when uh, Liverpool Organic originally in Liverpool bought the rights to the name and started brewing Higson's Bitter again. It was just a really lovely, bitter, pale ale type beer, but obviously a traditional bitter. And I was like, is this... Is this what Higson's bitter used to taste like, and everybody said it was a quite a faithful re- recreation of it. And I thought they they had it so good years ago. You know, they they, they were brewing the styles that we would now call modern styles. So, yeah, if there's, I always I always find it interesting. I've still not to have any of the Watney stuff, but okay. So, um, just checking Untapped, and the other beer that I've had from them was a. 1899 stout and the description of it says based on an original vox stout recipe from 1899 so the the brewery has obviously been around for a while so i think you might be right mark i think somebody's obviously bought the rights to the name and are now recreating beers under under that 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 
that that brand name, so to speak. Fantastic. And uh, so, you, do you say you like the stout? Uh, I did like the stout. Yeah, it was well, it, okay. it was, it was really nice. I, 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 I'm a sucker for a heritage beer. Um, yeah. I, lo- I love oh. breweries going back into the the record books. That's that's why the um the, the like what I'm drinking bitter, now, yeah, yeah. That that's why that, that really attracted itself to to me was that it it was they've obviously gone back into the the record books like they do with the um oh the Imperial uh, Brownstone. That's one of my yeah. absolute favorite beers. That's an yeah. old Tr- Truman's recipe, isn't it? That yeah. One? yeah, and how and how and to use the two buzzwords, hoppy and bitter. <laughs> is that beer though? It's incredible. Oh, yeah. oh it's, it's it's everything that beer is. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So so good. So Mark, tell us uh, about how many pubs you've been sitting in this month. <laughs> well, just to round off the fact that we've all done nothing because <laughs> I, I had a break at the start of January as well, so I didn't do anything for a long time. And since then, I've not still been trying to. Not, not really drink much at home and I've just been to the pub after work a few times I did have one day out though in Manchester because um, I had to go and return a Christmas present and so it was a good excuse and I thought I will, well I'll go to I had a list of pubs that have come to mind that I've not been to for like 10 years that I'd, I wanted to go to but I went to some of the new places in Manchester that have opened up that have been mentioned on previous podcasts enjoying other discussions so i went to north brewery's new north tap room circle square as i believe it's actually called um so for my first visit that's not been open and matter i think that opened on the 3rd of january the day that everyone went back to work if i remember rightly which yeah i think you're right it's quite a brave opening time um <laughs> it Based on the images of the one in Birmingham that I saw and yeah. my recent visit to North Bar in Leeds, which has had its little makeover, they are all going to be the same. Yeah. It's it's nice. There's, yeah. It will certainly appeal to a lot of people. There's nothing wrong with it. Oh, yeah, and of course the other, there's a secondary North Brewery bar in Leeds as well, which was Yeah, it's, which is exactly like the Birmingham one, so assumingly the Manchester one as well. The same food, yeah. The same, yep. yeah. Um, so it was nice. It was really friendly. There was, you know, just somebody almost patrolling the tables, waiting to see if you wanted to order another beer. And he had a card machine in his hand, just ready to just be like, "John, another beer. John, another beer," which was nice and intimidating at the same time. Um, so, but. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not for me, but certainly appeal to a lot of people. But I also wouldn't say no to going again if I was in that part of the city. It is in a part of the city, well past Deansgate and stuff that I don't find myself in very often. So I don't know if I'll go again. Um, but I did a lot of walking this day as well. So I, I, I went to. So I won't go through everywhere that I went. I went. I went to a pub in between there, and then ended up in Shawshop. Brewery's new tap room, which is where Track Brewery used to be originally, the original archway on Sheffield Street. Just around the corner from Piccadilly Station, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They've got two archways, one with the brewery in, and then the, the tap room is next door, which allows them to 
keep it completely se separate so they don't have to keep the tap room brewery temperature cold which makes it nice because they put an actual pair of doors on the archway and you go in and uh -huh. it's actually very warm inside proper glasses steaming up from the outside <laughs> kind of warmth it's so as much as you're still in an archway it's it, not just the fact that obviously temperature wise it is warmer but there is more of a, a being an actual bar type thing which was what i was worried about that which is another another tap 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 room in a railway archway but it does have more of a bar feel so it was fine sure shop brewery beers are fine um uh but well one of my oldest friends asked me to be his best man for his wedding next year whilst we're in there so there was at least a happy memory associated with it the place itself again I, it's if I find myself in that part of town or if I'm with people like post indie man or something that all want to go, I'll go and be more than happy to. If I'm on my own in town or just with a mate, it's like, do you want to go somewhere for a beer? It wouldn't be my first choice. So, yeah. but that basically both places were exactly how I thought it would be and how my perception of them would be before that, before I went, I just like pubs and they're not. Yeah. <laughs> But the second round this month, then, Rob, what is in your glass? Following on from Mark's first beer, I have got another one of the cans from Backyard Brewers, and this is um, Embankment, and it's their coffee milk stout, and it's um, it's it's quite nice actually. It's uh, as you would expect from the sort of style. It's nice and roasty sort of coffee notes, but then the that's got like the the chocolatey sweetness, a uh, bit of a vanilla sort of thing going on. And what is it? It's a uh, it's four point four percent. So it's it's uh, it's very easy drinking. So Steve, what have you got as your second beer? So I just want to preface this by saying that I'd always intended to drink this beer at this point on this month's podcast it has nothing to do with the fact that as we recall tonight what seems like the entire north of the country is tweeting about how they're drinking fresh sierra nevada at various bars so i've got a can of uh sierra nevada torpedo uh oh, you <laughs> scumbag <laughs> I, I, I know it was uh a recent order from play the, into uh, the crowd i know on. from the from the sierra nevada uk shop uh it's the new branding and, and everything so it must be fairly fresh cans and it's probably fair to say that yes mark this beer smells bitter it does <laughs> you can smell the bitterness on it this is resinous it's sticky it's that american sticky resinous that you get with the the, the, the ipas um piney citrusy bitter i i don't need to sit here and describe torpedo to people if if somebody's listening to this show that has never drunk torpedo i'd be amazed if if, if i'm honest so that's that's my second beer of, uh, i don't know some people that are colleagues of my mom have listened they probably haven't had it <laughs> i'm sorry rob i do forget that <laughs> your, your, your mum and all of her work colleagues listen i said to her yesterday i said you do a better job of marketing this than i do <laughs> 
And don't forget my mate in Columbia is listening, and I bet he's not a torpedo. So. <laughs> Hi, Dave. <laughs> okay, I'll take that back. Maybe ninety-five <laughs> percent of our listeners had torpedo, uh, but it is a fantastic beer. And no, I'm not jealous uh, of all those people that are getting to enjoy it fresh on keg. What seems like across the north, the whole of the north of England, this t- tonight, it's uh, it's more all over Twitter than fucking scampy fries at the moment. It really is. And now, Mark, this is uh, a new segment on the show, which we've been trying to squeeze in for months. But been we just begging me, got there. Been begging me to do some music for it forever. Yeah. So here's the music. Welcome, everybody, to Route Corner with me, Smokey Johnson, where every month we'll be exploring the wonderful world of smoked beers. And this month, we've got Goat Smoker Smoked Imperial Stout from Holy Goat Brewery in Dundee. So, I've gone for a 12.7% Imperial Stout. Smoked Imperial Stout, I should say. Um, Because... Smoked beers, unfortunately, despite the fact that they can be anything, they happen to most often be smoked imperial stouts. Um, but it's also a beer that I've been looking forward to for a while and haven't found a time to have it in my stash. I was trying to think when I bought this, and I can't, all I know is that the best before end date is 2031. So I was wondering if they put 10 years on it, so it might be from around 2021. Um, as usual, it doesn't smell smoky enough for me, but it's got that sort of whiskey sweetness, if I can call it that. A bit of vanilla, quite oaky, quite heavy on the sort of... Not peaty, but a lot, a lot of oakiness. The strength is definitely there. That hasn't mellowed out in however long that I've had it. I always like to compare... Because people always call smoked beer bacon beer and it annoys me because bacon is just one meat flavour and one type of smokiness and they, they all differ. What, what would I, what, where would I put this? Barbecue beef ribs. That's what I'm thinking of. So the next time, the, the, the next time you're at Clayfest, this would pair absolutely perfectly with something like that. Um, I've, just a word on Holy Goat, whose branding, by the way, is absolutely fantastic. And they, they've done a couple of smoked beers. I, w- I wonder whether it is the whiskey culture or whatever. The, the, maybe the barrels are more readily available. I don't know what it is, but Scotland gets a lot more smoked beers. They're not afraid of it up there whatsoever. So they'll probably feature on Route Corner quite a few times, um, hopefully. Fantastic beer. It is a sipper. I'll probably be sipping it long after we've uh, stopped recording tonight, but... Anyway, and, and that was this month's Route Corner, and I look forward to seeing you all again next month. I really hope listeners enjoy Route Corner, um, <laughs> because that is something that we have been trying to shoehorn into the show pretty much since we started, and we finally got there this month. So let us know uh, what you think about that. You can use the hashtag belonging to, to, to let us know what you think uh, about the show. Get involved. While we're drinking these beers, let's tackle this month's reverberations. Reverberation. 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 And this is all about annual releases 
and when I say annual releases, I mean hype releases. And when I say hype releases, I'm thinking specifically of Putty, because other than <laughs> the aforementioned scampy fries being all over my timeline, which in the last couple of days has been replaced by Guinness, London Black, or Black Heart, uh, prior to that, I saw nothing but people talking about the annual release from Verdant, which is their Putty double IPA. I think it comes in at about 8%. I'm not not too sure on that. I think that's around about where it is. But um, a lot of talk about it this year. A lot of people getting very excited uh, about it, which I think we see every year from, from this particular release. But I've, I've got to say, the one thing that I noticed this year more than previously was an overwhelmingly positive spin on, on on things i didn't see too many naysayers or or, or people criticizing the beer for being i think one of the criticisms it faces quite often is um it's very oniony it's very savory and i didn't see any of that i saw a lot of people saying it's very balanced beer da, 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 all that sort of thing this is because you don't use instagram steve so <laughs> okay but, so is, yeah. is the story a little bit different on instagram then mark it always always is and i would like to say it is eight percent steve and i can tell you that because i have a can of it right here the... are you are you going to be our guinea pig are you are but... you going to try it for us for the sake of research i have bought a can of verdant's putty for the sake of this conversation because it was the beer that made us think of having this it isn't yeah. none of us three are the type to go out and buy a new england style double ipa just based on a hype release we're, we're not the kind to do that based on a non-hype release so <laughs> i thought one of us is gonna have to bite the bullet and buy it and create yeah. and... I, thought, I thought about it but it was nine quid a can i thought nah Mark's doing it. It's fine. <laughs> had I not had COVID, <laughs> had I not had COVID, I would have been able to have tried it on draft last weekend. Uh, but that obviously COVID completely wiped out my weekend for me. Yeah, and uh, I, I w- would have tried it in Huddersfield if our home game hadn't been rearranged because of Bristol City's running the FA Cup. But also, I'm glad that my partner no longer bothers to listen to this podcast so that Rob hasn't just accidentally told her how much I'm spending on a beer that I don't even enjoy. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But having said that, what what you said is true, Steve, because I have had previous iterations of Putty and it was bouillon, vegetable stock levels, just onion soup in every way possible and i don't care what, what fanboys of the beer say about it that's ex- the one iteration that i had i can't remember if it's 2020 or 2021 but it was literally i, I thought I, I i wish i had a second can of this to make the most awesome vegetable gravy in the world because that's <laughs> how vegetable was it was vile and i can't what this year's iteration is much more balanced doesn't have it's for me just because they're, they're the flavors i pick up in a lot of new england ipas it is still a little vegetal but it's not unbearably so oh, so i could never describe a beer like this as juicy they're just not juicy to me there's you know no fresh mango or apricot or all the other things that people say about it it just isn't but it is much more balanced they also have a lot of hot burn 
people say in the past that they're sometimes too green when these beers are released. It's not yeah. too green. It is a much nicer version of putty. And so, but then ironically, as I've been seen on Instagram, there's the, the Instagram uh, team uh, saying that it's the worst in iteration of putty so far because it doesn't have, obviously, the flavours that they're looking for. Mm. So, so that's, there that's... you go. One of us has a putty, and that is our beer longing review of it. It's it's really interesting you say, that you say that that the that the Instagram crowd are actually quite critical of it because it's not got that green vegetalness about it. Whereas, like, like I say, overwhelmingly, what I've seen on Twitter is is people saying the actual reverse of what what you've seen on Instagram, which is this is the best iteration of putty yet. They've they've really balanced out the flavours, they've really honed down everything in it and and they've crafted what is an incredible beer. That's I, I find that I find that really strange that everybody on, on those two platforms is a is a fan of beer, but that there seems to be such opposing views in terms of this this particular beer. I think I think we see it starts a wider conversation about where pockets of beer community community exist because the Twitter crowd, I don't want to say it's, I don't want this to sound like I'm saying it's the most informed crowd or mature crowd, but it's certainly, it feels a bit more battle weary in time, in terms of getting excited about these new releases and slightly more indifferent to them but also has more of a i would say mature view of where where the place whereas the instagram crowd it's absolutely fine if you're into into that i I love reading some of the stuff that people are saying it keeps me up to date with what are the new hype releases because i don't see that so much on my twitter timeline anymore but they're a lot more a lot younger in the way that they talk about beers like this. And the, it, it was more a rush to be the first to post about it rather than actually care what the beer tasted like. It, it, they, they were still excited to just be like, I've got a kind of put, you know, I saw somebody, I hope that they lived in Cornwall, but on the day of the release, they posted a, an Instagram post about it at like 1 p.m. from their kitchen. So they'd been to the brewery picked up some cans and then gone home and immediately opened some so that they could be the first person to post about it. You know, that's still the crowd that it is. It doesn't really matter in some ways what the beer tastes like. It's all about being the first one to post about it, the person to get traction on posts and things like that. And Bloody generation just... said. <laughs> well, that's it. It's fine. They just yeah, yeah. They're, 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 they're they're basically where we were ten years ago when yeah, yeah. People, people are trying to do similar things. The people that have been following on Twitter for ten years, we we were all we we were all like that oh, at some we, point. We were all extremely excited about all this stuff, and it's not even ten years ago to be fair. But yeah, yeah, yeah and, and and I remember you know let's let, let's use something that we've we, we've mentioned often. Un- unhuman cannonball that that was the one for me yeah. I, I wanted to be 
I, when when I first started on Twitter and first started the podcast, I really wanted to be one of the first people to be talking about that year's iteration of it, whether that be on Twitter or actually on the podcast itself. And I, I know, Mark, you and I have had words about this in the past in terms of, you know, when they started releasing it at the tap room before you could buy it online, <laughs> fucking hell, I was livid. I, I was I was so angry because I was like, well, that's not fair because it's I not official release day. It's, it's not the official release day until it goes online. But it's it's interesting <laughs> because I think I think it shows the way that, but in particular, beer culture on social media is 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 maybe changing that the, the way that we chase and consume beers and th- actually this is taking reverberations in, in in a direction that i didn't think it was going to go this month I, I thought we was going to talk about something else but we're actually veering off which i i like yeah. that that we're going off to, to to talk about this but i think i think social media is changing the way that we consume beers maybe but what i would also say about that is it's also exactly the same because unhuman cannonball those that kind of excitement existed in very much a Twitter sphere. The Facebook forums were barely existent then, and Instagram just wasn't used for beer. TikTok didn't exist, so every everything was based on Twitter. And what were the conversations that happened around Unhuman Cannonball? The first to have it, drink it fresh. Then, actually, it tastes better after about six to eight weeks. So don't rush to drink it fresh to any any anybody that drinks it after more than three months is doing the brewery a disservice to <laughs> the it doesn't taste as good as last year's iteration these are literally all comments that i said i've read about verdant's putty in the last couple of weeks so <laughs> these people the, the people that get excited about verdant putty are having the exact same conversations with using the exact f- same phrases as we were saying about Unhuman Cannonball seven or eight years ago. So it's also exactly the same in a lot of ways. It's just it's just a different thing. It's a new band. Some it's music's cyc- it's moved cyclical, on. isn't it? It's 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 just something else has, has replaced Unhuman Cannonball and in, in years to come something else will replace Putty. And and there'll be yeah. conversations that will be had and again the same words will be in be being used in, in that conversation. And I I also remember the very first release of Unhuman Cannonball, I was really cynical about it, like, why are people getting so bloody excited about a flipping beer? What's wrong with... You know, I I was full of the cynic about that, even though... And then I was dead into it. So, what what, what I look at now is that even though Verdant Putty isn't something that I get excited about... The fact that a lot of other people are getting really excited about it is exciting because it's good that that thing that still exists in the beer community. I think it's important that it still exists. That's interesting, that, because there have been certain sort of annual releases where there used to be so much hype where it sort of died off. So you think of, for example, like obviously this is an American beer, but with We've touched on it in the past. The the Bourbon County Stout from um, Goose Island, where people used to literally be up stupid o'clock in the morning and queuing round corners in London to get that. And then for me, the the bit the the annual release that I used to get excited about was the 
Beaver Town Bloody Hell. And they used to have like their launch mm-hmm. events for it each year in different different bars around the country. And like I used to be gutted if I couldn't couldn't get to the bar on, on launch night. And for me that beer was wonderful. But that was a beer that was an annual release, which then when the Heineken um connection came in, all of a sudden they just changed it into a different beer. They changed it from 7.2% to like 5.5%. And it's an all-year-round thing. I don't know if they even brew it anymore because I haven't seen yeah, because it. Yeah, because it was, because I, because I really didn't like the lower ABV version. And that's a good I, point, I, actually. There, there, was, there was a lot. This is, what, this is why I think it's nice to see something like this because yeah. they used to be quite common, but mm-hmm. in a good way. That yeah. there was an annual release. Every every good brewery maybe was looking at having an annual release in their roster to make people excited about it. It's Northern good to Monk be excited. Their, it, yeah, Northern Monk have their Infinity Vortex now and things like that. It, it, well, it, yeah, it, it is good to be excited. I get excited yeah. about Torside's annual iterations of their American Barley Wine, which you, you know, labelled by year and stuff. Everyone's got their version of this but it's it just it doesn't feel it doesn't feel as common anymore so that's why i've quite enjoyed the yeah. hype around putty this time because I, I think, i've enjoyed the hype yeah, around it as well mm-hmm. Me yeah, too. Yeah. it's good it's yeah. good to see people it's good to see people excited about beer and you know what it gets people in the because the people that are excited about it are going to those bars that have got it on which means they're in those towns and cities They've got it on, so they might go to other pubs and bars yeah. in the area as well. And the knock-on effect is quite good, so it's it's good to see people still getting. And as we've already said, it's not cheap, but if people are spending the money on it, and I had to put in, well, I didn't have to, I chose to, I put in an entire order with a local bottle shop just so I could have one can of putty. <laughs> so they've got fifty quid of my money, which they might not have had if I wasn't buying a beer just for this podcast so the the, the knock-on effects uh, uh, fell all over and it's a, it's i definitely see it as a positive and i'm sure i've been negative about putty and other such annual releases in the past but i definitely see it as a positive now i, I think considering that it drops in january as, as as you said mark i think i think what it does is it it does it does good business for places that are able to get kegs and cans of it so a couple of places that, that that i follow i know two brews in colchester they had a keg it lasted about two or three days they had cans they sold out in about two days radio city social their bar in chelmsford they put a keg on on thursday night it was gone by saturday they they had cans they were gone by sunday so a time of the year when places are struggling, it's bringing in money because people are going out to search out that beer to drink it as fresh as possible or or to buy a can and take it home and have a couple of weeks later. And yeah, like I said, for, for the first time this year, instead of just sitting there like a grumpy old bastard and looking at my phone and rolling my eyes, I've actually looked at it and gone, you know what? I'm genuinely excited by this. And like I say, had I not been ill last weekend, I would have, I would have gone out and I would have tried a third or a half of it because I was so caught up in what people were saying about it. So that's got to be a good thing, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're all we all talk about like the different stages of like uh, the craft beer enthusiasm, and 
sometimes it's good to just remember that you've become a bit of a miserable git and just think <laughs> about how excited you used to get about just these insignificant things really in the grand scheme of things and you know what it's just it's it's just good to just get excited about things because there's so much doom and gloom. So if you can get excited about a can of beer turning up in your local shop or a keg of it in your local bar, that's just that's really good. Uh, absolutely, Rob. Absolutely agree. I, so I can't you, disagree like you say, either. Steve, I, I, I didn't actually think that conversation was going to go that way when we started it, but fantastic <laughs> and, and that's what's great about reverberations because we we start off with one thing and it it, it does bounce all over the place yep. uh as always we'd love to hear our listeners thoughts on what we've been talking about this month use hashtag belonging to get involved or you can try the speak pipe voicemail feature to leave us a message and possibly feature in re-reverberations next month just like these people have so we've had a couple of messages again this month i always get really excited when i get an email notification saying <laughs> somebody's left you a voicemail uh we got two voicemails this month and they were both from johnny beer boy we're gonna play them both for you because they're they're, they're both unique in their own way so here's the first one hi guys it is uh johnny okay johnny beer boy um just want to say i really enjoyed the last show um uh, especially uh the kind of last section where you're discussing uh dry January as someone who's doing dry January myself for um a couple of different reasons. Um I really enjoyed you kind of going into the uh ins and outs of that and uh, obviously the uh that we shouldn't really be berating people for um when they're you know trying to do something for themselves, you know, it's it's up to them. Um but uh really what I wanted to drop in was just maybe a little conversation starter. A uh, little topic for discussion, um, which is uh, if you can only drink one beer style for the rest of your life, um, what beer style would it be? Be interested to hear uh, um, the three years' opinions on that on that one. So, what do you think, chaps? Johnny's asking us there if you can only drink one style of beer forever, what would it be? Let's go to Mr. Smokey Johnson himself, who is possibly just going to say all smoked beers. Um, no, Mark, what would be the one style that that, that you could drink uh, forever? Well, I did think that, but then I thought that's just that's like saying bitter beers or something like that. Because smoked beers, I could say smoked beers because then I, I, that includes stouts, smoked barley wines, smoked black IPAs. Yeah, I just smoked double IPA at the weekend, which was absolutely fantastic. So I could do that, but and obviously I could just go for Rauk beer actually as a style. But no, I if on a day to day basis, if if and I I know that Johnny phrased it in a more positive way of you know if you got to drink one, what would it be? But I, more as a sort of like desert island. If you could only drink one, it would still be a West Coast IPA, because that is there isn't there's there's never a mood for I, I need to be in a mood for a, a smoke beer as much as I'm in the mood for a smoke beer a lot of the time, I still need to be in the mood for it. Whereas West Coast IPA, any time of day, just literally any time of day. If it, if somebody showed me one in my morning coffee, I'd be like, oh yeah, that'll do, that's fine. <laughs> so um, yes. For me, I would have to go for a West Coast IPA 
any 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 day of the year. What about yourself, Rob? What? Uh, you know what? I was I'm really torn between two different styles. Like uh, as you you might have got the impression from just listening to me a bit. I'm a I'm extremely enthusiastic about bitter and best bitter. But at the same time, my favorite beer in the world that I've ever had is Odell IPA, which is like it's more like your traditional West Coast IPA. And you know what? I love both styles, but like if I could only drink one, oh, you know what? I'm just changing my mind as I go. But I think that I'm going to have to go for that sort of just that that really balanced American IPA because it has sort of the, both of those beers have just balance as the main feature. But I think if I'm going to only drink one beer, I'm going to pick the one that's slightly more special to me, and that is your that is your American IPA, specifically Odell IPA. It's just that perfect multi-backbone and just about six different hops or whatever. Yeah, I'm going to have to pick your American West Coast-style IPA. Now you've mentioned that beer, I'm sure that I've made the correct choice myself even more so. so. Yeah, because I I, I absolutely love bitter, but like if you're only going to drink one beer, it's just... Just that bit more special to drink an IPA over a over a bitter. Steve, you, you know what? Let's uh, let's go for the hat trick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh, not, we're so boring. Uh, we're, we're so predictable. <laughs> uh, it's going to be West Coast IPA for me for yeah. all of the reasons that you've both said. I, I can't add anything else to that. It's uh, it, it's the beer that I first cut my teeth on, and it's the beer that I go to now when I'm I'm, I'm looking for that hit, and and I just do love that. That smell of bitterness in in, in the morning and <laughs> in the morning and and Mark, now I just want a coffee infused West Coast IPA <laughs> to, no, to, to have it. for breakfast. No, no, that's perfect breakfast beer. Absolutely perfect breakfast beer. I, I will just say though, Rob, that um, we had a lot of love from last month's show as well about your love. For, for bitter and it being the style of 2023 and i think yeah. obviously we've seen tonight colonel have, have done one we're, yeah. we're still seeing loads of bitters coming through now um but so many people just loved yeah. you loving bitter yeah so, so bitter is back that. baby <laughs> I, I think people i that, told people you that... i told you a bit was back <laughs> and it's back the bloody colonel have made a bitter i was right <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us predicted that it would be the Colonel saving bitter. Oh, bitter is saved. Yeah, with a yeah. six and a half tender. Yeah, but bitter yeah. is now saved. Yeah, bitter's yeah. back, baby. <laughs> so those are the beers that that, that we chose. Uh, again, we'd love to hear what our listeners would would choose as the one style they could drink for, for forever. Use the hashtag belonging. Let us know. Johnny did also have a second message for us. This is my moment. This is my perfect moment with you. Release the tapes. Now, I'm not sure what Johnny was referring to here in terms of release the tapes. Now, I, I know exactly what it was. I, I think he wants to listen to more of Rob singing. 
yep. which which Rob keeps having a go at me at for cutting out of of, of episodes. Ah. Uh, it's it's stuff that might appear on Patreon uh, at some point <laughs> uh, if if he keeps doing it in inappropriate moments. But uh, Johnny, if you can let us know if that is exactly what you're after, if you want us to release the tapes, uh, we may have to release them on Patreon because I'm not sure they're fit for general public consumption. Release the tapes. <laughs> Each episode, we feature a guest who's making their own reverberations in the beer world. This month, we're pleased to be joined by Meg Halton-Gilmore, who's the Community and Memberships Manager and Food and Drinks Writer for Bristol 24-7. Welcome to the podcast, Meg. It's great that you could join us. Can you just start off by giving us uh, a little bit of background about yourself? Tell our listeners who you are and what you do. Sure. Well... Hello, listeners. Um, my name's Meg. I I live in Bristol, but I'm from Manchester, so it's very nice hearing some northern accents. Um, <laughs> I work for a local newspaper called Bristol 24-7, and um, I kind of do marketing mainly. Um, but alongside that, I also write about food and drink in Bristol, um, which is basically the best job in the world because I get to go and eat in lots of nice restaurants and drinking lots of cool pubs and stuff um, and then write about it, which is great. And was it always the intention to end up working in food and drink or did you kind of fall into it kind of thing? It definitely wasn't my intention all along. No, I went through like, you know, the classic sort of childhood of phases of I was going to be a vet for a bit and then an architect and then a lawyer. I thought, that, you know, law could be good. Um, and then I kind of settled on film director um nice and ambitious um and I went and did a film degree um in Bristol which is why I moved here um and then yeah after that I kind of like I I don't know I found I did do a little bit of work a bit of freelance stuff um in film and tv and I found it to be quite I guess nepotistic and kind of unpleasant really I didn't really like the culture um and yeah I just wasn't really getting anywhere without like grafting loads for free which I didn't really want to do so I went and did a ski season which was very fun um, and then I came back and um, started working at a science centre and doing their membership um, and then I came to Bristol 24 7 to do their membership and then the kind of food and drink writing something that I've always been really interested in and did a bit of like I did a bit of freelance bits of food and drink writing before Bristol 24 7 um, so when I rocked up with my membership hat on and was like I want to write about food and drink they were very, very kind to let me. So that's how I've ended up here. <laughs> and, and Bristol 24-7, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, well, we're a local newspaper um, based in Bristol, obviously. Um, we mainly exist online, but we have just announced the really exciting news that we are coming back in print this year. Um, and yeah, it's really cool. Uh, so I get to write my first ever print magazine food column, which is super exciting. Um, yeah, we, um, we kind of cover news, culture, obviously food and drink, um, what's on all, all sorts of stuff, really anything that kind of is happening in Bristol, we try and cover. Um, yeah. And we're, we're also a membership organization because we're completely independent. So people can uh, and people do support us to continue to produce our independent journalism um which is really nice of them so yeah it's nice we have like we have a great team we have a good community around us people are really passionate about what we do 
uh, we do a lot of like social impact and charity projects and stuff as well. So it's a good place to be. I think like from my experience anyway, the media industry and so, like from what I've seen in the news and stuff, I think media can be quite a horrible place really and a very like narrow minded place sometimes. And uh, it feels really good to be a part of an organisation that kind of goes against that and is sort of, I guess, showing that it doesn't have to be that way. Now, we're obviously a, a beer podcast. So <laughs> what do you think about the beer industry that you've come across in Bristol? You know, we, we know some breweries down there and some people that work in breweries down there. So what's that scene like for you, from your perspective? I absolutely love it. Um, I'm actually a relative newcomer to beer um, in that I only kind of really started enjoying beer about two years ago, which I blame entirely on everybody around me only ever introducing <laughs> me to lager. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I like tried IPAs and was just like, oh, what? Beer actually tastes of something. This is really nice. Um, so yeah, like in the summer, oh my God, we have the best tap rooms here. Um, like, I can be found usually in the tap room on Friday, Saturday, sometimes even Sunday evenings. Um, and in the week as well, actually. <laughs> they can't get rid of me. <laughs> every um, damn day. <laughs> yeah, every day, just in the breweries. Um, I actually live with somebody who works at Wiper and True. And I'm oh, actually okay. drinking a Wiper and True beer right now, Kaleidoscope, which is a very, nice. very delicious beer. Uh, they've got an incredible tap room um, that I opened last year. But yeah, I love it. Like, I think we've got, we've got a real diversity in terms of like the beer that's being produced here, the styles of like brew pubs and tap rooms that we have um, and the approaches as well. Like there's a lot of, you know, there's people who brew in Bristol who like just brew for Bristol and they have pubs in Bristol. And then there's also people who brew in Bristol, but they send their beer all over the country, um, which is amazing. And yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know loads about it, but I reckon we have a pretty good brewery scene. So I guess um, we've talked about how vibrant Bristol is as a city and the, the, the great brewing tradition there and the craft brewing tradition that's carrying on. But we should probably talk about um, the article that um, drew us to you, really, which unfortunately is uh, perhaps it's not quite so positive. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, I I felt like, that was a really important article to write. Um, so for listeners, that was it's called We Need to Declare a Hospitality Emergency. Um, and I kind of in my job, I spend quite a lot of time talking to people in hospitality. Um, and I, you know, I was kind of aware that things weren't great from the summer. In the summer, I actually did a podcast myself with um, this was last summer, so 2022, with Dominic Burrell, who um is one of the owners of the Bianchi's group, which is like a, an independent little group of restaurants in Bristol. Um, I'm a huge fan of their restaurants. They're really good. And I sat down with Dom um, and I chatted to him about the hospitality industry because I was kind of thinking, you know, like we've come out of COVID, you know, things are going quite well. The reason I was talking to him in the first place is because they just opened a new venue. So I naively thought, oh, great, hospitality's fine again. Um, and he was just like, yeah, no, that's not the case, um, which I guess was quite sobering for me. Um, and then it seems from what I've heard that it's just kind of gone downhill since then. 
um my like I kind of regret really not writing that article like a month earlier um because I like January has been bad we've seen a lot of closures but yeah. actually I I think maybe December was potentially worse or, or like the same and I just wonder like if well I mean it probably wouldn't have made any difference but like I wish I'd written that article a little bit sooner um, yeah. to sort of raise awareness of the, the problems earlier. Because yeah. I, I either thought when I was reading it, I thought, has this person worked in hospitality? You're obviously very passionate about it. Um, and if, they, if you've not worked in it, then why are you so passionate about it? I, mean, I suppose that answers the question. Um, and do you think there's a lot of the general public really that don't understand how severe the current situation is? yeah 100%. we're beer drinkers and i think sometimes we don't understand when, when we go into pubs what it's like yeah i mean like i don't think any of us really understand you know what it's like to be like if you've like the businesses that i'm talking about are businesses where it's, it's like the family's business you know it's like like the owners of newtown park like they're a couple you know they that's their business and like there's no way that we can sort of say oh well we know how it feels to be sitting down uh, having invested everything into your business with like your family or your partner and just looking at the books and seeing that there's just no way that you can make them match up like that must be such a horrible feeling um and yeah I'm really like that's kind of one of the reasons why I didn't really want to work for myself because like then you, you know you're solely responsible and actually I quite like the fact that I you know get paid every month and I don't have to worry too much about that um so yeah I like I can't even begin to imagine really how difficult that must be but um I did I did work in hospitality actually for a bit I worked well for a long time <laughs> actually I did I served four years in Pizza Express during university oh, and I say served because <laughs> sometimes it did feel like a prison sentence um <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was, it, it was good in that um like when you're a student free pizza is obviously the best thing ever um, <laughs> but it's it was difficult working for such a big chain who care relatively little about uh their stuff so yeah do, do, do you think that we got to a point in December where because there were a lot of closures in December and I think that that surprised a lot of people at, at the time as well do you, do you think we simply got to that point because those owners looked at the, the business and said well December's down December's low forget this I'm not not even going to think about January and how bad that's going to be and do you think it was just a case of that they just couldn't bear to go through what has turned out to be an incredibly difficult January as well uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably accurate. I think, like, we know December's historically one of the best months for hospitality, and we also know that January is historically the worst. Um, I think if if you were, you know, the owner of a pub, a restaurant, a brewery, and you're seeing that your December figures are no way near enough to see you through that worst month, um, then, yeah, like, you know... <laughs> You've got to think, well, do I keep my business open and continue paying these extortionate energy bills with potentially no support from the government? Who knows how many more strikes that are also going to affect trade? And that's not get like nothing against people striking because I completely support that. But yeah. that has affected. As uh, do we. 
yeah I, like that has affected you know the number of people that are going out to eat or going out to drink going away for the weekend etc cetera, etc cetera. um yeah i think like if you're already struggling then the business decision that you have to make is do we close now while it's like okay or do we wait for a barren month and pay an extra month's worth of energy bills and possibly yeah. rent mm-hmm. and everything else that comes along with that and then you know they're going to have made a greater loss yeah and unfortunately um, now in january we're seeing those hospitality businesses that were just praying for a good december and unfortunately that didn't come and it's just it's um it's just hitting closer and closer to home now and as you mentioned before about the summer when you felt like optimistic really thinking okay people are going out again now and it just it felt like there was a point where the government was supporting hospitality to an extent and now it just seems to have been forgotten even though and you put some figures in 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 your article about just how important these small hospitality businesses are to the the uk economy as a whole when you when you put it all together well i've got the figures in front of me because i'm not being around the bush (laughs) assuming you've done your research here meg which i'm happy (laughs) to you know because these things are important hospitality creates 130 billion pounds in economic activity generates 39 billion pounds of tax for the exchequer represents 10% of UK employment, 6% of businesses and 5% of GDP. Yes. So those figures came from Rachel Harty, who uh, is the organiser of Hospo Demo. Um, (laughs) I'm not actually sure where she got them from, but um, she's pretty legit. Oh, I'm happy that they're correct. (laughs) I'm just saying this is what we're talking about in terms of it's not just feeling a bit sad because somebody's closed and oh you know it's it's disappointing the fact that if even if you're um, obsessed with capitalist society it's still in your best interest to keep hospitality in the, literally yeah. it's if like you're nobody obsessed with wins figures, if they it's go still under. Ob- yeah exactly it's still important for you to keep hospitality businesses going because mm-hmm. it, it benefits all sides of the coin, whatever your persuasion, it benefits everybody in the economy. Exactly. And it's like, how many people in the UK can honestly say that they have no interest in the hospitality industry as in they never use it? Like, everybody uses that industry. Everybody, you know, whether it's like picking up a sandwich when you're getting on a train at a train station, going out for dinner, going to celebrate a special occasion, going for a pint with your friends, like, or even the supply chain, like if you order a takeaway or if you, you know, order ingredients from somewhere, like all of those things will be impacted if this carries on going the way it's going. And then the other thing to consider is one of the amazing things about Bristol is that we've got an incredibly strong independent scene. Um, and that brings with it a lot of originality and a lot of resourcefulness and community and creativity and you know if if the independents go the chains move in and you get you lose all of that like all of the difference that makes a scene so vibrant 
you lose all of the like the individual flair and you just end up with these chain restaurants and these chain pubs and everything else that you can get anywhere and all of a sudden you know then that impacts the tourism industry there's no reason to come to bristol if it's just full of chains same with anywhere it impacts jobs it impacts everything like i mean happiness like Mm -hmm. you know i spend all my free time pretty much in in bristol's independent restaurants bars and pubs this is going to make me sound like (laughs) a very rich alcoholic but um, (laughs) as in you know i i I enjoy those places a lot that is what i want to spend my money on that is what i want to spend my time doing and if they weren't here like i probably wouldn't be here yeah i mean the the death of independent hospitality is just the death of community and there's no community what's even the point in being alive exactly it's just very sad it sounds like a loaded question because i feel like i know the answer but staffing issues what 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 do you think some of the reasons are i mean even though we know what some of the reasons are but what do you think some of the reasons are as in why people are struggling to find staff you mean yeah in in the hospitality industry i mean there's definitely like it's a very multifaceted issue i think um the main culprit i would suggest would be brexit um because that has made it so much more difficult for overseas workers to come and work in the uk um going back to my time at pizza express i would say 70 to 80 percent of the team that i worked with were not from the uk uh, and that was great like they were all great (laughs) you know i suppose we all had a mutual enemy which was the chain that we worked for um but we all got on very well um and yeah so there's there's that there's brexit um and then you know during covid like everybody in the hospitality industry was furloughed and that allowed for people to find other jobs find other interests just realize that actually maybe the industry wasn't great for them because it is Mm. not great for a lot of people um so yeah people have moved on or switched careers um you know it's not a famously very well paid job um it is very stressful you have to work long hours sometimes those aren't very sociable hours either um and you know the other thing is that you get a lot of abuse in the hospitality industry you know if something goes wrong for whatever reason you're the person that has to bear the brunt of it for the customer um and day after day week after week that starts to get to you and if you're not being paid enough or you know you can't see the value of your work and maybe during covid you kind of thought about another career then i yeah i can completely understand why you would want to move to a different industry really um i think there's a lot of great things about working in hospitality but yeah it's it's not an easy job it's it's something we're quite vocal about on this podcast and i think you you mentioned in one of your articles or possibly on your podcast yourself that the mental health issues that people in that industry suffer from is not talked about enough because you're constantly on the front line and taking the brunt of everything and also the money worries as well that go with it it's it's unpleasant it's an unpleasant industry unfortunately even though it should be a joyous one because there's so many people that get into it because they're very passionate about it and the the reward is 
so limited. I'm, I'm feeling emotional myself talking about it, but yeah, um, I think like you know, I'm very passionate about mental health. Um, I'm like I've got like a mental health first aid qualification. I talk quite a lot about it, um, and I think we're kind of probably only really at the beginning of a mental health sort of revolution, and people actually starting to think of mental health as physical health as all being one thing um so it's not given nearly the the time or space that it needs um you know when you're in an office job it's so much easier to say i need to take five minutes out i'm going to go to the toilet i'm going to make a cup of tea i'm going to speak to my manager when you're on the floor in a busy restaurant that is just not an option um you know you can't like there's people constantly needing your attention um so yeah it's so much harder um and you know like a lot of a lot of the hospitality industry there's a lot of drinking as well like we know that you know in kitchens there's a lot of drugs like it's it's a really difficult environment to be in at times and you know there are some that are handling it well and there are others that are not just not equipped like they're con you know they've already got their backs against the ropes all the time they don't have any time they don't have any resources they don't have any staff if you then say to them well you need to do a mental health qualification and you need to you know make sure you have one-to-ones with all of your team and you need to make sure you're doing this and doing that like how are they meant to do that it's impossible absolutely and and, and also as as individuals as well every every individual is different and individuals that are better equipped to it than others is it's not something that's you 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 can work it out in different environments but not so much in hospitality environments where it's a lot faster paced so if somebody else is struggling there there is more of a suck it up environment rather than just like oh well treating somebody different kind of thing i completely get it it's it's a, it's absolutely it's one of the toughest environments to work in and the mental health issues in that work environment are not only not talked about, but they're driving people away, regardless of the other political issues, which are massive regarding that industry, the mental health issues regarding driving people away are not talked about enough. So I'm glad we've got the chance to at least discuss it. It's not a happy conversation, but... No. absolutely needs to be talked about so yeah i mean i think like obviously the more that people talk about it the the better it gets um and you know mental health is a really broad spectrum like you can everybody has mental health like i think often you know we only kind of talk about mental health in a very negative sense but like mental health can also be being really healthy um yeah but it's it's a very very difficult thing and there's there's just a lot of I think you get a lot of like big personalities sometimes in hospitality and that doesn't necessarily leave space for these kind of more vulnerable conversations the Bristol scene in the future if we were looking at a positive light what do you think I mean I think I think for the food industry and for you know beer as well like environmental considerations are top of the agenda right now um this year, as in the year just gone, 2022, we saw um, the first carbon labelling on a menu in Bristol. So that's like 
Oh, don't even get me started on the government saying we have to have calories on menus. But <laughs> it's like instead oh, of... Oh, please, putting... please go on. No, honestly, we could be here for hours. Um, basically, all you need to know is that I hate it with a passion. Um, yeah. But yeah, so in, instead of calories on menus, this this kind of shows you like the carbon footprint of everything, like every dish, um, which I think is really interesting. You know, it just allows people to make sort of more informed choices so, so Meg, you you spoke about obviously you spoke about uh, all, all, all the difficult times that's going on and, and and you've looked forward a little bit in in, in terms of how you think bristol's gonna go go forward in in, in the coming year it's it's tough times for everyone uh, at the moment but just just in terms of i suppose in terms of the general public people that enjoy good beer good food that sort of thing what what are the one or two things that you think everybody can do just to help out a little bit i think i when i wrote that article i wrote to my mp as well and shared it with her and um she raised it in parliament which was great um she sent me a little clip of her raising it in parliament so i was really pleased to see that um and i think you know quite often people say oh write to your mp write to your mp and i don't know how many people actually ever do um but like it does actually help when i spoke to rachel harty the organizer of Pospo demo um she i kind of said to her you know are you thinking that you you're going to do another hospo demo uh hospo demo for anyone that doesn't know is is just basically what it, what it sounds like which is a demonstration outside of parliament from people within yeah. hospitality um asking for um let me see if i can get these three requests right it was uh bat reduction uh business rates support and um an overseas worker scheme so yeah i mean rachel kind of said that she uh, probably doesn't have the time and resource to run another hospo demo, which is completely understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's she's a freelance. Um, she does like freelance PR and marketing, and, and she's got kids and stuff. So, um, so yeah, I guess it's like, is there somebody else that can take the mantle on that, um, or that can write a letter um, asking Parliament to do something? Um, but also, I think you know, like aside from collective action which is definitely the way to go um there is there are things that individuals can do as well which is like just when you can just go to your pubs and bars and restaurants and breweries uh if you're buying stuff buy local like it's so it's so easy to go to tesco or sainsbury's or wherever you go and while you're in there think oh i need to get some beer i'll pick up some beers yeah. But like if a brewery's got a brand like a deal with a massive supermarket chain like that, like they're probably okay. And I'm not saying don't buy them, but like just think, you know, is there somebody around here that I could be supporting instead? Is there a local independent shop? Is there like a can kiosk I can go to? Um, is there somebody that I you know, somebody that I could be buying from that yeah. this is actually really gonna make a difference to? Um, I think like so again because people don't have much money at the moment it's so much more tempting to either not go out or when you do go out to go somewhere that is a chain because sometimes they're cheaper like weatherspoons is the prime example like i hate weatherspoons with a passion (laughs) like honestly i could go on for hours about all the reasons i hate weatherspoons but You know, so some of my friends, no matter how many times I tell them, 
they still go there because it's cheap and it's yeah. like well yes it is cheap for now but if Weatherspoons is the only pub chain to exist in the country like what do you think is going to happen to their prices they're going to have a monopoly they're just going to hike them straight up and you'll lose all of these incredible independent pubs and bars that we had before that you didn't support you know so I think like if you're going to a pub make sure it's a, a local independent one um, and also when you're in there be nice to the staff like yeah. mm. it's so easy like like the amount of looks of like almost confusion that i get sometimes when i go into a pub or a bar or a restaurant and they say oh how are you and i say i'm good thanks how are you and like that just never happens like just ask them how they are be nice be considerate they are working their asses off and you know, it's not an easy time to be in that industry. And leave a tip was the other thing I would say. Some some fantastic advice there, there, Meg. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for joining us on, on the podcast as well. We'll put links in the show notes to all of your work and, and especially the, 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 the piece that we've spoken about quite a lot, the hospitality emergency. That's obviously what first drew us to you to, to ask you to come on the show. Um, however quick opportunity for you if you just want to you, you know promote where people should go so they can hear <laughs> it in their ears uh where that where should they be heading to find find your work uh well bristol247.com is uh the newspaper that i write for um and yeah we'd love to love to have you reading us um and we're also on all of the usual socials as well so yeah Brilliant. say hi Brilliant. And, and great stuff. Thank you so much once again. Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Really enjoyed it. It was great to have Meg join us this month. We had a lot of fun recording that interview with Meg. Any thoughts on the discussions that we had there, guys? I think the, the main thing for, for me, firstly, from having a guest like Meg on is... And, it almost connects to part of our talk about Verdon Putty in some ways. I've I've been a bit of a gatekeeper at times about the industry. I've I've lived within the bubble. I've always wanted people within it to be serious about beer, and I use serious in inverted commas as, as if it you know beer belongs to a specific kind of person. Whereas you know Meg's really passionate about food and drink, and just how that encompasses an entire city's uh scene as we heard in the interview and it's certainly for people like myself to learn to as i say stop gate gatekeeping this community and open it up to everything beer belongs to that entire food and drink scene not just not just the people that like pubs or have been going in them for years not just the people that like buying hype beers and that's also where a lot of the hospitality people that are really suffering at the moment come from as well from um outside of the bubble so it was it's really good to have guests on like that that come from w within maybe the circles that we're often talking within so yeah it was fascinating and really really good chat yeah for for me it's just like meg is just so clearly so passionate about bristol and about um the hospitality scene in, in in general and it just came across straight away and it's just quite moving really and yeah we just need more people who are just 
just really open about their love for what's going on and just um, to invite as many people in as possible because that can only help the hospitality industry, can't it? Just to invite more people in. And also, we had a really good we had a really good chat with Meg about Taylor Swift as well. So, yeah. um, hopefully, Steve has kept all of that in. <laughs> and if he's cut it, then demand the release the tapes. <laughs> I, I, I will say now because people that have got to this point in the podcast will will realise that the Taylor Swift conversation wasn't in there. So, <laughs> as as always, that is an edited version of the interview that you've just heard with, with with Meg. The full version of the interview is up on our Patreon page. If you want to have a listen to that and listen to Mark and Meg really get into Taylor Swift's back catalogue, which went on for a while, trust me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's I was even learning about Taylor Swift. I had questions. <laughs> there, there you go. It's it's almost it's almost a spin-off podcast in the making, but that's only available on Patreon. <laughs> if if you want to listen to that, subscribe to our Patreon. There's a link in the show notes. It's a pound a month. That's that that's all. It's worth a quid of your English pounds. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. And we I think there was one point where we even said that to Meg that that people are paying a quid to listen to this shit. So, uh, <laughs> it's it's there if you want to listen to it. Um And I, do... I will be asking every future guest about Taylor Swift, so <laughs> we, we we do go into a lot of detail about Taylor Swift. There's a link in the show notes you can sign up if you want to listen to not just Meg's full-length interviews but all the full-length interviews of all of our guests that we feature on the podcast. It's time to delve into the back of our cellars. Or as 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 we like to call them, our cellars. They're basically just cupboards that have shelves and beers at the back of them. But this is where we try and find something that's been hanging around for a while that we want to drink. Rob, what have you got in your glass for our last beer this month? This was a present from my sister and brother-in-law, and it's from Mikola, and it's a Berliner Weiss. It's a raspberry Berliner Weiss called Ich bin Raspberry, and I will dive into it now. And it's very tart. <laughs> oh, the, okay, some sweetness is coming through now. So, you know what? I do, I, I'm do. i a big fan of the, the flavour of raspberry. And I'm liking this. Like the, as I certainly went through a period probably like five years ago where I was drinking so many sour beers. And this was around about the time when perhaps Vault City were just coming through. And I was really enjoying drinking all their crazy beers to the point where I'd go to beer festivals and just have acid reflux afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, so, I, so it's, it's nice to delve back into those memories. <laughs> and after that first sip, where the first impression I got was, oh, that's really tart. I don't know, maybe I've just uh, all of a sudden got used to it, but it's really quite pleasant, to be honest. I've got a 440 can of this, and I don't think I'm going to have an issue finishing that off. So, um, Steve, what are you drinking for this last beer of the show? Okay, so I chose this beer um, before Mark's beer arrived. So I've ended up bookending this show with Barley Wines. Yes, <laughs> the, the, this my one. kind of show. <laughs> and this is um, a, a brewery, I, I believe, fairly close to you, Mark. First class. Oh, yes. Stockport, yeah. See, this is why I can't find anything local to send you, because for some reason you have more local beers than I do. Well, well, there you go. I've got their uh, Barley Wine MMXX, which Google reliably informs me is 2020. This is the 2020 iteration of their Barley Wine. It's actually, uh, best before date is the end of this year. 
So it's uh, a good two years old uh, uh, at this point. And it's tasting absolutely delicious. It's uh, it's got those proper woody, earthy notes. There's some of those that dried fruit going on in there. A um, little bit of cherry and raisin, really balanced. It's ten percent though, so it's it's bigger than the barrel aged barley wine that I started with. But being the consumer professional that I am, I've still got some of my Vault City as well. So I'm <laughs> oh, going to be yes. drinking these side by side <laughs> as as we go. But um, yeah, why why not bookend a podcast with barley wines because that makes absolute sense. I yeah. think I think I've actually got a can of that left still in my stash as well. Um, I've got I've got a barrel aged version of it as as well from the same year. So ooh, I there think, might be the barrel aged version I've got now. I think you know what? That. Spoiler, I'm gonna do that next month. So my I you were my... saying now I was like, all right, mate, come <laughs> no, 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 so, so... <laughs> someone's not gonna have a productive morning. <laughs> so, so when so when I delve into to, to the back of my cellar next month, I'm gonna be drinking the first class barrel aged barley wine to, to to see how it compares to this one but no i'm i'm, I'm loving it um 10 at the end of a podcast that's exactly what you want mark mark what are you drinking uh well i've gone for four percent so that's the how i've ended the podcast and um in an unintentional return to route corner i've gone for the wild beer co smoke and barrels which was a smoked orange barrel aged goza, smoked which is how I'm orange. going to pronounce it. Um, I know exactly when I bought this because when I was gathering beers to decide what to take as my smoked beers on a podcast called Opinions in June 2019, I bought a couple of bottles of this. To consider taking on and decided in the end that one of the hosts wasn't a fan of smoked beer or sours, so there was no point hitting him with both because he wouldn't have enjoyed it, so I didn't take it. And I've had this second bottle knocking about since then. So it's And even then, I think it was um, nearly a year out of the bottling line then. So that's how long I've had this knocking about. It's only four percent, and it has held up really, really well. I'm I'm not a big fan of super sour beers, but the salt really balances well in this. There's um, some smoke malts, cascading orange in there that makes, and that's all survived. It's survived really well, actually. It's drinking like it did fresh, if if I'm perfectly honest. So it's doing a terrific job, and it's only four percent. So no problems there. This has been an absolute success. If you like those things, still don't think that Steve from Opinions would have enjoyed it in 2019, and I don't think he'd enjoy it now. <laughs> so oh, then there was me thinking you was talking about the other host of Opinions <laughs> that yeah. wouldn't have liked that beer. No, no, he was open to anything. He was a great guy. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> part of the reason I chose this, though, is with the recent uh, closure and then reopening of Wild Beer Co. This was the last beer of theirs that I had knocking around my stash cellar, metaphorical cellar. Um, And so I thought it was the right time to open it, and I just wondered what my co-host thought of the current situation with... Not just, you know, we were sad that Wild were closing, and, I, you know, drinking this beer again reminds me of why I quite enjoy it, because nobody... 
in the industry was ever making beers like them. Smoked, smoked malts, barrel aging, orange salt, sea salt, gurzas like this were the kind of beers that that they were famed for. It's why I liked Wild. And so it's nice to see them saved, but a lot of people seem to be out of pocket, as far as I can tell, that got involved in a certain crowdfunder they did a few years ago that raised over a million pounds. I'm certainly furious for those people. Those people are understandably furious. What, what Going forward as a brand, and in the current situation, what what are you guys thinking on it? Yeah, I'm. I know some people who in, invested in that. Which personally, I wouldn't have invested in because it's just much prefer to support a more local project. But anyway, yet certain people seem to have ended up okay in the end. Whereas there'll be people who have put not a not an insubstantial amount of money into it, which they've just lost. It's like shortly before this closure was announced, I was discussing with a few people about what, what the hell was happening with this. They promised like a, a new brewery, aren't they? And like a location brewery for people to go and visit. And then there was absolutely radio silence. And the next thing you know, they're announcing the end of World Beer Co., and then it saved, and all I was seeing, I'd, I've seen the bullet points, and the main one that was sticking out to me in bold was that uh, the people who'd invested in the future of the brewery were not getting anything out of that, and that sucks. My view is pretty much the same as what Rob said there. I think um, it's it's unfortunate that, that Wild went and then came back. Um, I, I think... If, if you speak to a lot of people in the industry that are of a, of the no, that the writing was on the wall for quite a while with, with, with wild. It wasn't, um, when it happened, yeah. it wasn't a yeah. surprise. A lot of people. They certainly went very quiet, didn't they? They were a brewery that were one of the most talked about and all of a sudden that kind of stopped. And when someone stops talking about a brewery, it's normally because they have stopped talking themselves. Yeah. And, and and I think what what we'll see with the takeover from Curious is is that they're not interested in the wild fermentation. They're not interested in the barrel age. They're not interested in the slow beers. What no. they're interested in is the likes of Bibble and stuff that they put they can put in cans and put on a supermarket shelf. Yeah. So yeah, you know, let's let, let's let's not try and pretty it up in, into something that it isn't. It's it's not yeah. saving the brewery. It's saving the name and a couple of their core beers. Well, yeah, Wild Beerco is dead, regardless yeah. of whether the name is knocking about. Yeah, and and it's it it is unfortunate because they were there was a time when Wild were truly um, groundbreaking in in terms of what they were doing with some of the the, the mixed fermentation stuff yeah. so that the Wild beers that you, you know it's there in their name. I remember the first time when I was trying their like sleeping with limes and sleeping yeah. with lemons, and it's like wow, like. Drinking those beers back at like it's probably Indie Band 2016, I think, probably the first times for me, and that was just a completely new experience. But they were doing things with beers that now, like, people would potentially criticize, 
But they always did it. In, I mean, the branding was always so good. The branding was just so oh, on point. Their branding was incredible. Oh, yeah, everything, every, everything, everything came across so classy. Yeah. But some of the beers now would maybe be called stupid or gimmicky, but because the, they had lobster in a beer, they had mushrooms in another beer, and you tried them, and they were all superb, or at least interesting in a not sickly kind of like way. And there, there was just something about them that I, I, I wild fermented beers were not my thing but i got excited about wild beer they made me excited about it and it's such a shame i'm thinking about like some of the imperial stouts that come out now that have got loads of adjuncts in and they just come out in 440 cans and they're just so stickly whereas they had stuff like i can't remember what it was called but there was like a chocolate Raspberry Imperial Jambo. Stout, Jambo, Jambo, yeah. and that, yeah. was, that, that was spectacular. And you know what? You could drink four forty of that. Not that you. Really I had had a bottle of that recently. Actually, we had a we had a gathering at Clayton's on New Year's, and he was going through his his stash of beers that he's trying to whittle down before he goes back to New Zealand. And Jambo was one of the beers that came out, and it's where it's at now, as opposed to when it was first released. It's all raspberry there's there's no other flavor in that beer it's just raspberry and that's got to be what five years on from its release so that's continued to change in the bottle but but like you say rob it's it's not just that one they did um the millionaire shortcake one as well which now someone would do that now it'd just be too much they'd just be lactose heavy they never did things like that they just Mm -hmm. They, they they had such an understanding of flavour. Mm-hmm. That they did they did straight up stouts. They they had a series that was a what was it, wildebeest, which was a straight up imperial stout. Yes. Wildebeest. But, but then they did then they did a winey beast where they they then put that beer into red wine barrels to let it take on the characteristics of the red wine. And that was at a time when no one else was doing that sort of thing. And yet, like I say, I think they were truly groundbreaking. But then then I think they just took a load of money from a load of people yeah. and fucked them all over. And, and and you know what? I've I've no love now for, no. for, for wild I, beer whatsoever. I'll tell you what, you can be extremely sophisticated and have a complete understanding of flavour, but you're a dickhead if you're going to do that to people. And that is just <laughs> a real shame. Well, the, the thing I said, it was something like one and a half million they made through crowdfunding, and it's been years of people going, where has that money gone? And so for, mm-hmm. for them to sort of then be going under, it's like you, you think about the breweries that we, we know that are struggling or going under just based on being a few, a few thousand pounds in debt. It's like this isn't worth it anymore. I've got to go. For a brewery like that to have received one and a half million pounds and that's gone missing and they're still short and that money's never to be seen again. Yeah. What the F? happened to that money and they've, they've, they've still sense. given no and justification we... either they've given no, no. explanation of what's no. happened with that money either and to the people that gave up that money and i don't i don't want to give this new co as we'll call them a penny of my money in that in that case and the brand is just diluted and gone now unfortunately so i am drinking a wild brew co but from i mean from the people that caused that but this is so uh, the, the, you know there could have been an argument there maybe i should have just opened this and poured it away but 
it, I wanted to make it part of the conversation. So here we go. This this might be my last Wild Bruco, which I thought it was going to be anyway, because I thought the brewery had gone. But then I don't want anything to do with this new one, <laughs> to be honest. I think I think it's far from what they set out to be when they started, or or or, or what. What it will become is is far from what they set out to be. Like, like so, I I I see it as being nothing more than um, cans that Curious Brew can make and put on the shelves in supermarkets. Yeah, and you, as as we said, the thing that really set Wild Beer Co. apart years ago was that they did do things differently, even down to like the the choice of bottle. Their bottles were lovely. Yeah, it's like you just felt. You felt special just drinking one of their beers, just because it had this slightly different shape to the bottle. Not just that, but they're, they're no, embossed, the, they had the embossed so much, printing as well, yeah. didn't they? Oh yeah. So there was there was so much thought that was put into everything, and yet they ended up being so thoughtless. Well, well, that span off into far more than what we found in the back of our cellar. And there's our thoughts about the new Wild Beer Co. and also the old Wild Beer Co. and what they did with all your money. So they somebody needs to hold them to account for that, by the way. But anyway, let's get into the final part of the show. It's the end of this belonging show. Which we've revamped for this episode. And this is now kind of a almost an any other business type section of, of things that have come up that we want to to talk about. So I know, I know we've already got a couple of things under any other business here. Rob, let's come to you first for your any other business. Yeah, so I, I believe it was the last show and there was a bit of this a discussion about buyouts. And I, me, as I certainly have a bit of a connection with New Belgium Brewing Company, having visited their place over in Colorado. And I said that, that the buyout didn't seem to have affected them in the same way from Lion as it had to breweries like Four Pure and and Magic Rock in the UK. And then literally like a week or two weeks after that, all of a sudden you hear that they're completely changing their flagship beer, Fat Tire, famously an, an amber ale based on beers that, the original, the founder of the brewery drank in Belgium, and all of a sudden they're ch- turning it into a golden ale and completely changing everything. And so, yeah, I uh, I ate my words there. So I just thought I thought I'd mention that, and it probably won't mean a lot to a lot of people in this country or, or listeners of the show. But for me, I'm sad because that was like a, a huge part of that brewery and what thought made them special and what i really enjoyed and you know what i fully intend to go back to fort collins again and i was really looking forward to just going and having a pint of fat tire and now it just won't be the same and it just it's got me thinking really about court there's core beers and then there's flagship beers and i think when your flagship beer changes then you don't really come back from that it's uh, kind of forever changed. What I, what I would say is that for for a start, beer is international. So as much as I've never had Fat Tire or any beers from New Belgium, it doesn't change the fact that it feels not something. Obviously, to the people that the, the Americans that live in that area, but the fact that 
you feel an affi affiliation with it, it, it doesn't that doesn't change. Beers International, I, I'd feel the same as something that happens to Schlenkler, um, you know, if they suddenly changed all their beers. So the fact that it's from another country, you don't need to apologise for that. But it's just one of those things that this argument needs to be put to bed. These buyouts will always change the, the mm. argument of whether it can be a positive thing. We've seen it with Beaver Town. We've seen it with Magic Rock. You know, you've seen it over there with New Belgium and some of the other breweries over in in the USA. The argument that there can be any positives, in terms certainly in terms of the beer, the core beers themselves staying the same, it doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. When they get bought out by these big brands, the beers will not be the same. If they are, if people drink them like two weeks later and go, you see, nothing's changed. Within time, they will change. They will either disappear or they will change because they will have to adapt to the demands of the the bigger internationals yeah. that they're, they're part of. With big business, there's always going to be that pressure of just it's money, isn't it? It's all about money. So it's a t it's, so it's just one of those things. I, I grow yeah. tired of having that argument. It's a shame, mm -hmm. and but it will always happen, and people need to grow up and accept that, that is the case now. And, yeah, and and I do actually. I feel sorry for you because I've got a mate that lives over there who's really sad about it because it's just literally his yarl his sonoma you know what what whatever a beer is to me and so for it to suddenly change like that is it's important to him yeah it's person it's, it's, it's genuinely personal to him yeah. that it's changed and he's really sad about it i mean so, if beer's just a drink isn't it but still we look at it in this romantic sort of way when all of a sudden you awoken awoken to the fact that it's it, beer is just business at the end of the day, and when when these huge corporations get involved, this uh, romantic idea of a, a a beer that you thought was really special, it turns out apparently it's not seen as that special because it's just not making enough money, so it has to mm. be changed. And yeah, that is just reality for you. I think I think you made a good point there, Rob, in terms of one, one of the examples you said there about Beaver Town being taken taken over by Heineken. Was that and and we spoke about it earlier on on this show. Bloody yeah. hell went from being a seven point four percent amazing blood orange IPA to being a five point something percent orange IPA that you could buy on any supermarket shelf. Yeah. And 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 to me that was you've you've completely changed every characteristic about that beer and 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 to to then go a little bit deeper than that into the inner geek in me, they then changed the listing on untapped. So all of my prior check-ins to the 7.4% that listed it as an amazing beer, then became the check-ins for the 5% beer that I was rating at, at like four, four and a half. So I'm like, oh, no, no, hang on. That's a different beer. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. You should have to list yeah. it as a different beer because it's well either even without untapped the audacity of that take untapped out of the equation it is still audacious for them to be trying to call a completely different beer the same beer yeah absolutely and 
And I, th- yeah. I, th- I think with the one thing with Fat Tire is some people like uh, hating on the new branding for it, which I think actually looks really good. But I just wish that they would just give it a, a, a different name, even if it's just, they call it Fat Tire Blonde or something, and then just make that the main core beer. And then, I don't know, I just, I just miss Fat Tire, man. I just want the old one back. It, 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 again, it all links into some earlier points in the show, as well as the fact that things don't really change. It is all a cycle because I I was just getting into beer when this was happening with Hobgoblin, you, you, you know, and even to a, a more macro extent, Stellar Artois, obviously, we, we've all seen that change like three times since. The, so it it happens to... I know people that absolutely loved the original version of Hobgoblin, which I think was something like 5.6. And yeah, that's right. just feels so betrayed by the idea that this current incarnation can even exist and use its name because it's all a brand thing. Mm-hmm. But then casual beer drinkers that were big fans of 5% Stella, like it's happening to them. So it is all just big beer business, and it is when you see in the smaller breweries that you felt some kind of affinity towards doing these big business tactics, it it does hit in a different way. It's sad, and what can we do? We can't do anything about it. It just feels wrong accepting it. It's just like the current government <laughs> in some ways yeah. it's like we can't just accept this but then what can we do as the little man i, th- I think all we can do is just hang on to those those little breweries that have still got that magic to them as best we can so there being no other business from around the room we'll call time on that this month final thoughts on the beers that we've got in our glass i've i've got two barley wines going side by side here so i'm going to i'm going to finish where i started so i've got the vault city barrel aged barley wine still got a little bit of that left yeah oh, there's a coffee the, going through a bit more coffee but more chocolate as well now Ooh, i'm getting okay. really big chocolate hits off of it let me um it's, it's it's almost like a mocha now it's 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 amazing brewing it's really good considering the stuff that they've thrown at this it's actually came out come out being a really great beer and i've i've really enjoyed drinking it and um i've still got a little bit more which will continue after we've finished recording i've still got a I'm lot so more of my <laughs> first class <laughs> barley wine as well which i'm also now going to have a sip of and that's still tasting great as well. That's that's straight up traditional English barley wine. And I'm very much looking forward to next month where I'll try the barrel aged version of that. Mark, any final thoughts on your beers? Do you know what? It's um, based on the conversation that we've had. It's made me a little bit sad how much this beer from Wild is holding up and take its accomplishment of brewing. They were great, great brewers. And this is, as I say, a 4% four-year-old beer, and it feels like it could have been brewed yesterday. It's so fresh and uh, lovely, and it's actually making me sad. And I, w- I was worried when I looked at the state of the bottle, like there was all gunge and stuff in the bottom, and I think I said to you guys, 
outside of recording. I'll probably have two sips of this and then put it back down. I don't think it's going to be good. I'm absolutely going to finish all of this. It's delicious. So what a surprise, but also damn. Oh, wild. About you, Rob, are, uh, have you finished your beer yet? Yeah, I, I have drained the glass. I, I think my thought about the beers I've had tonight, the starting off with, with the Colonel's bitter there, Simmons, 1880. It's just interesting sometimes how one beer you drink will influence how you experience the next one. So after drinking that first, then I went on to my embankment coffee milk stout, which I have tried before. And this time, after drinking that bitter before, I just got so much more of the the roasty coffee sort of flavour to the to the point where there was almost a smokiness to it. And it's you wouldn't expect that from a coffee milk stout, really. And I really do think that that was just to do with the beer I had before. And then drinking that raspberry berliner voice then, that was just extremely refreshing. It was a palate cleanser. And now I wish that it wasn't quarter to 11 because I'd quite like to have another beer and then still be able to get up and be productive earlier on in the morning. It's it's interesting that you say that, though, Rob. That, that I, I do think sometimes your, your choice of beers throughout a drinking session will influence how you taste the next beer. And, and, and I always find that going from one beer to another, it, it definitely takes two or three sips before you actually get the... The, the pure taste of that beer because you are essentially yeah. cleansing your and there's there's a lot to be said for drinking water in, in between beers so, you when, know when you're doing this sort of thing i have not done that tonight which i normally would and that's definitely my and like even when i had the berliner voice the first sip i had just was so overwhelmingly tart whereas it ended up just being very enjoyable and just quite quite refreshing uh, so, yeah, I, the lesson I've learned is I should just drink water like I normally do. I think also, and you might be feeling this tonight, Steve, because I was, I was fine when I take a break from beer that um, I, come, I come back and my flavour sensors are enhanced. So oh, so much. I, That's I, interesting. I could, so much, yeah. I could, I, I, could even t- I could even tell tonight as I'm drinking these beers, I'm, like, I'm definitely picking up a lot more things, whereas last month, Definitely the beers I drank on the show. I was just like, yeah, it's a it's a bit hoppy, it's a bit orangey. Like I was just, I, I was having a bit of post Christmas beer fatigue to be honest, and so everything was just the most generic flavors. Whereas I'm very much picking up individual things uh, this month. Every everything's so heightened. There's a lot to be said for having a break, not just for your health, but for also to give your palate a bit of a reset. As, as well, yeah. because when you do come back, you, you're experiencing tastes and flavours almost for the first time again. What, what is it? Is it something like every every 40 days your taste buds reset? So m- maybe that should be the cycle that you should be working on, you know? Give, give me 40 days between beers and I'm going to taste amazingly different things but between them, I'm forty days is a long time. Yeah. Let, let, let's 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 be I, honest. I wonder whether it actually helped you, Steve, that you actually lost your taste last week. <laughs> where we were all a possibly, bit, yeah, we're all a little bit concerned whether it was going to come back in time to record this. Possibly, a- a- absolutely. But I've I've enjoyed all of the beers I've, I've had tonight. As I'm as as I'm getting the feel that we all have this yes. month, and hopefully our listeners yeah. have experienced that as well. 
Um, that does bring us to the end of the episode. Follow me on Twitter at Beerafloxo for all the latest updates on the show and what I'm up to. Mark, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Mark N. Johnson, and you can read my blog at beercomplication.co.uk. I am on Twitter at Rob underscore Edwards 90, the same on Instagram. And yeah, there's there's link tree on both of them for anything else that I might be up to. Remember, you can use the hashtag belonging or check the show notes for the link to our SpeakPipe voicemail to get involved in future episodes. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Belonging. We hope you've enjoyed the show and we look forward to hearing your thoughts on the things we've been chatting about. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> just done some more digging on untapped about vox brewery because i'm now <laughs> obsessed with this so so there are two listings for for that brewery there's one there's there's the one that's the current one which is vox brewery and then there's vox breweries limited so um what i've what i found out is the brewery was established in 1837 and it closed in 2000 as Vox Breweries Limited closed in 2000 and Vox Brewery reopened in 2019. So under the same sort of historic heritage name. So if, right. if anybody was sitting there wondering what, what thinking, oh, I really wanted to know the history of Vox Brewery. There you go. It's, it's right there. And if you also wanted to know, guys, he was doing that whilst I was talking and not listening to a word I said. So <laughs> maybe I'll talk some more about my time. I went to another four places in Manchester, Steve. I can keep going. No, no, <laughs> it's, keep Googling. It's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I heard everything you said, Mark. I, I was I, I was engaged, Mark. You were riveted, yeah. Rob. Thank you. Uh, the when, and when's the wedding where you've got to be best man? Go for it yourself, Steve. Just, just proving. <laughs> just, just proving that I was listening. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.